Isn't it wonderful to know the living Lord Jesus Christ? Know that he is alive. He lives inside your soul. He has died to save you. He has secured you. He has sealed you. Isn't it a blessing to know that you know that you know that if I die tonight, I'm going to glory to be with my Lord and Savior. There is a better place than down here. Oftentimes we act like this is everything and we pray more for saints to not go to heaven than sinners not to go to hell. But we got a living Savior who's gone to prepare a place for us and he's promised to come and receive us to himself. Heaven will be wonderful. But we oftentimes act like it's not and we're so afraid we're going to get there quickly. Now I'm not trying to catch the next bus. Don't get me wrong. But it is a wonderful provision that God has made for us. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. You do realize that the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, not because your mama was, not because your daddy was, not because there was a preacher in your family, but the day where you personally met Jesus Christ in a very real and living way, He saved you, but you became a marked man. You became a marked individual. He gave his angels charge over you, over me. He marked you as one of his children. He signified you that were his child forever. He he moved in your heart and he tabernacles, he resides, he dwells inside of your life. He's given us the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that would convict us of sin. That's the first work. And it would convict us of righteousness. He will lead us. He will teach us. He will direct us. He has given us knowledge of his word. He has given us the precious word of God and it is living and it is alive and it is true and it is without error and it is without compromise and even though everybody wants to adjust it and they want to accommodate other people, it's the word of God and the word of God gives life and the word of God has meaning and the word of God is what enables us to live in this world. You are a marked man. You are a marked woman as a child of God. But the devil marked you also. Because when you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ and God marked you as his and he set you apart as his child, the devil marked you as his enemy. And the devil's desire for your life and my life For this church is he wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. He wants to kill your testimony, my testimony, the testimony of this church. He wants to steal your joy, my joy, the joy that the Lord has put inside our soul and the joy that this church has. He wants to destroy our influence to a lost and dying world that we live in and that we live around. And he is relentless and he pursues you. He does not stop. He comes at you one after another after another. And you're like a prize fighter that goes into the ring and you've been training and you've been equipped. But when you get in the ring with that other fighter, the enemy, the devil, and he starts to beat upon you and he starts to throw those punches at you. Anybody ever been been really whipped in a fight? Come on, Roger. I know you have been, you had to get whipped once. I got whipped one time. I was in a fight. I was, I was, I was in karate and Shotokan karate and I was going for a brown belt test and I got the living daylights beat out of me. All right. My teeth did not line up for three days when I would try to chew. I had a black eye. 
I mean, they beat me. They go out there, you did 300 push-ups or so. You did 500 sit-ups. You ran for three miles. You did all these extra. Then he puts you into to, to fighting a black belt who can whip you already. And you're just so exhausted. And he jacked my jaw. My teeth didn't light up. He blacked my eye. And, and I can remember just going down. And, but something wouldn't I got back up and he did it again. And I went home that night and I thought, are my teeth ever going to touch? That's what the devil does to you. The devil comes at you and he will ring your bell. And there's something in you as a child of God. Because you have the Spirit of God inside you. Because you have yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ. He may knock you down. But there's something that pushes you to get right back up. And you're right back in the battle. Because see the prize fighter. Even though he might get sucker punched. He might get kidney punched. He might get knocked down. He will keep on getting up to fight. Why? Because he has to fight. And you as a child of God, God has put inside your soul, inside your spirit, this desire that I've got to stand. I've got to get up for my Savior. He went to Calvary for me. He bore my sins on the cross. He died in my place. He has given me forgiveness. He has washed me. He has cleansed me. I've got to get up. And with everything we are, we just push ourselves up, even though we may get beat down again. We're going to push ourselves up. See, that's what the enemy does. He wants to knock you down, to beat you down, to keep you down. But hear me, there is a freshness from the Word of God. Because the Word of God, it is like living water. It cools your soul. It cools your thirst. The living water of God, it comes into your life and it refreshes your spirit. You see, the Word of God, it soothes us. It directs us. It guides us. He takes us and then God begins to push inside your life with His Holy Ghost. And He starts to say, and you've seen it with people. All of a sudden, they may be standing there and they're not even moving. But tears are running down their face because God is working in their life. You may be holding up your hanky and praising Jesus and shouting to the glory. You may want to shout and dance because what God has done for you and how the devil has beaten you. But God sends that season of refreshment. He gives that season of encouragement to your soul. You just hold your hands up and you say, glory to God. That's all I can do. Look what it says in 1 John 4, 4. Ye are children of God. And you have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You can't beat the devil. I can't beat the devil. In my own strength, in my own power, he will so far outmaneuver, outwork me. But God is my resource. And he has given me that precious Holy Spirit. He has given me the living word of God. But hear me. From the moment you got saved till the day you die, there's a battle going on. And the devil has marked you. And the devil's desire is to destroy you, to take you, to break you unto him. But God says, I am for you. I am with you. 
And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now look what it says in Acts chapter 12. Because Satan has launched an all-out attack on the disciples of Jesus Christ here in Acts chapter 12. Rome was occupying that land at this time. They were a foreigner in the land, but they were controlling the land. And Herod was the ruler, and he was keeping the peace and trying to make Israel productive for Rome. And so here's what it says in Acts chapter 12. Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church that he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. That's what it took to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's what it took. A willingness to say, whatever it takes, I will not yield. Whatever they do, I will not bow. And because he, Herod, saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had appeared unto him, he put him in prison, delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now listen to me. This takes place about ten years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's been about ten years, and the church is growing. The church is reaching out, and all of a sudden, the Jews, they've always been in an uproar against the people of God, the Christians, the children of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Herod, saw, he saw it made them happy, and he saw, this is good. So he says, I've killed James, I'm going to kill Peter too. How would you like to be Peter in this situation? They've already killed one of your closest friends. And now they come and they arrest you and they they place you in in prison. And look what it says there in verse 5. And Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Let me ask you this. Are you a praying Christian? Are we a praying church? Or do we just merely pray in crisis moments? See, a lot of people think that they are praying and that their church is a praying church. But when you look at it, we just pray in the middle of crisis events. But God has called us to be praying always. Not just in a crisis moment, though we will pray, but to pray. And and, and so look what it says. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now, you you get the picture? Herod is this power-hungry king in that area at this time. He's answerable to Rome. He has arrested James and he put him to death. He saw it please the people. And so he went ahead and arrested Peter. And as soon as Easter was over, he was going to have him put to death. And so here's Peter. He is chained. His hands are bound. He is placed between two soldiers and the keepers of the door at the prison. Have you ever felt like you have been hemmed in on every side by the devil? 
Have you ever felt like you've been, you've been just pushed into a corner, your back is against the wall, and, and you don't know what to do because, because you're hemmed in and you're crying out and you're praying and you're seeking God. And, and all you know is this pressure that you're under, it is relentless. The sickness that you have, it just doesn't seem to let up. It doesn't seem to go away. The financial burden that you're under, you don't see any relief. And you wonder, God, have you forgotten me? You ever felt like that? Amen. Amen. But sometimes in the middle of a mess, we feel hemmed in, right? And we're crying and we're praying and the church is praying. And you know, sometimes the church prays, but we don't act like we've taken it to Jesus, do we? Because as soon as we pray, we grab it right back up to worry about it some more, right? Sometimes we pray and we, well, we just act like we've not done anything with it. And, and so, so, so here we is. See, 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 you may be in a prison today and it may not be bricks and stone and bars. But you're in a prison in your own soul. You're in a prison of despair. You're in a prison and you don't understand why nobody else understands. You're in a prison and you don't know how you're going to get out and you don't know how you're going to get help. You just feel like you're bound up and you're separated from everybody that, that, that loved you and cared about you. And it may be a prison of sickness. It may be a prison of doubt. It may be a prison of frustration. It may be a prison of fear. It may be a prison of despair. But Satan has you so bound up, you're in that darkest hour just like Simon Peter was. And every child of God has been there or you will be there at some point. And so here's what I find unusual. What did Peter do when he was in that prison? The Bible does not say that he sang praises like Paul and Silas when they were in jail, does it? I mean, the Bible does not say he prayed all night for deliverance. The Bible does not say he became a militant Christian commanding that he get released. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says Peter slept right before his execution. He lays his head down and he sleeps. Don't you find that kind of unusual? If they were going to kill you tomorrow, do you think you could sleep tonight? Because I think it would cause me pause. Because I would be thinking, is this going to hurt? Am I going to be able to endure it? Am I going to bring shame to my Savior? Or am I going to be an obedient man? See, see, in the middle of this, this trying moment, in the middle of all this darkness, we find Peter is asleep. There's three times in your Bible you find where Peter is sleeping. The first time you find it over in Luke chapter 9 and verse 32 on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus takes the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. He takes them up into the high mountain and he is going to reveal himself more to them. He is going to take them deeper in their understanding. And in this moment when Jesus says on the Mount of Transfiguration, he is transfigured before them. Moses and Elijah, they are there with him. And it says that the disciples were Peter was sleeping. I don't think that's a good time to take a nap. I mean, if you're going to miss something, this is not the time to miss it, right? And he wakes up. And you know what he does? He says, let's build something. Why do we always want to build something? Why do we always want to do something? 
I mean, just abide in the moment. Because abiding is always before doing. Being in Christ is always before doing things for Christ. He said, we need to build a a tabernacle. And you know what God said to Peter? Hush, boy. Listen. This is my beloved son. Listen. See, see, sometimes we got to stop speaking and giving our ideas and our plans. And and we got to listen to what God is saying. The story is told of Franklin Delano Roosevelt when he was in the White House. He was bored of going to all these meetings and he thought nobody paid attention to what he was saying. Nobody is listening. And so there he's greeting people at a formal party that was taking place. And he decided he would start doing something. Do people really listen to me? And they came up and they said, oh, Mr. President, we're so glad to meet you. He said, I killed your mother-in-law this morning. Oh, God bless you, sir. God bless you. And then the next one came up, he said, I killed your mother-in-law. And the, 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 the ambassador from Bolivia said, she probably deserved it. One person in the whole group heard what he said. See, see, God says, you've got to listen. Just don't go through the motions. Just don't show up here to say, oh, we really had a good time. But listen to what God speaks into your heart, what God's word says to your soul. Because the problem is not that God is not speaking. The problem is we don't want to listen. Peter was sleeping in a moment when he should be listening. When in a moment when he should be looking just into the very, very glory of Almighty God. And then you find over in Mark chapter 14 verse 37. After Simon Peter had said what he would do. He would never forsake them. He was asleep. He was boasting about his strength. He was overconfident. And then you find the third time is right here in Acts chapter 12, verse 6. But this is a different type of sleep. This is a sleep where you have complete confidence in your God. And you lay your head down and you sleep. Four things will set you free in life. And you can find it here. Because you've got to understand, could I sleep tonight if somebody said they were going to kill me? tomorrow now, now i got a death threat years ago i've had my tire slashed i've had the lug nuts loosened on my truck to where the tires would fall off as i drive down the road anyway i've had something so one day shark called me and said mark you need to come home because somebody's on the answer machine said they're going to kill you so i get home and i listen i'm going honey are you sure anyway it goes with it you stand for jesus guys somebody's not going to like it you might as well get ready if you think you're going to please everybody then you you, you ain't going to get to heaven because you can't serve two masters. But listen to me. See, how did Simon Peter sleep? Because he knew the word of God. And the way you can rest in Christ is you have to know the word of God. And, and so, so Simon Peter, even though he had been told he was going to be killed, look what it says in John chapter 21. If you want to flip back there to that chapter, here's what Jesus had already told Simon Peter in John 21 verse 18. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee where where thou wouldest not. God told Simon Peter, when you were young, this happened, but when you're old, this is going to happen. Simon Peter wasn't old. So he knew, I got a promise from Jesus. 
He spoke it into my life. He spoke it into my spirit. And therefore, I know even though they say they're going to kill me tomorrow, I cannot because I am resting in the promises of God's word. He did not know how God was going to deliver him. He did not know when God was going to deliver him. He just knew God's word had already spoke and he would be delivered. Do not doubt in the dark what God has promised you in the light. You've got to understand that. You've got to understand the Word. So you fight your battles with a knowledge of God's will. Now, a few weeks ago, I preached on bags. You remember bags? I started to hold up six fingers, but it's only four. Bags. Believe. This is the will of God towards you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. John 6, 40, I think. A. Abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. This is the will of God for you, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 18 says, this is the will of God for you, give thanks in all things. In the book of Peter, it says, this is the will of God for you, that you submit yourselves to spiritual authority, to the word of God, to authorities, bags. You've got to live as a child of God, understanding the Word of God, the promises of God, yielding to what God's Word says. Now, now, listen. Abstain from sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4, this is the will of God. Very get it. Sexual immorality. Premarital sex. Adultery. Living together, not married. Homosexuality. Beastality. That's sexual immorality, guys. Why? The Word of God says it. Now look what it says. Here's what you got to get. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Here's what you got to get. This is the only thing I find in the Bible that says this is a sin against God, but it's a sin against your own body. Look what it says. Flee fornication. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Now, what does that mean? Here's what happens when we allow this to be in our life. We get indifferent and we get hardened to the Word of God and the Word became flesh, Jesus Christ. And we say, well, that's just not how it is now. Why? When did the Word of God change? See, 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 you get indifferent to what God's Word says. And therefore, when you're indifferent to what God's Word says, you're not in the will of God. Well, you don't understand, preacher. I, I do just fine. You, you've made this up in your brain because the Word of God is, is clear. Because it's a sin against your own body. And you become indifferent to the word of God and so we just start tearing pages out so what we got what we got left not much see guys this is the word of God it's not up for a vote it's not up for my opinion is it and it's getting worse and worse is it not yes and we're not supposed to be militant in our behavior that way but we got to stand on what the word of God says because if you want freedom in your life, whatever area it might be, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Abstain in all things. Give thanks and submit 
the spiritual authority of the Word of God. Those are guardrails. And so when Simon Peter heard the Word of God, he knew it. Therefore, even though he was arrested, getting ready to be taken to his death, he was resting in what God's Word says. And God's Word always wins. Now, it might not come in your timetable or when you think, but it always wins. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 24. He said to his mother, what does this concern with me? This is John 2, 4, when the water turned away. My hour has not yet come. John 7, 30. They were trying to to throw Jesus off a cliff. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid hand on him because his hour had not yet come. John 8, 20. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. No one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. See, guys, there's a time that God has. And you've got to understand that. And you've got to rest in that time that God has. But, but, but you're resting in the promise of what God's Word says. It, it, look at this. How did Peter's manifest mature faith? He rested in the promise God gave him. And if you can't take the Word of God and say, this is what the Word of God says. And I believe it. I rest in it. Man, you, you, you've got to start because God's word is real. See, see, and it's the promises of God. It, it will guard you through the problems. The promises of God, they will guide you through the problems. The promises of God, they will protect you in the midst of problems. It does not mean you will not experience problems. It does not mean that you're going to make everybody happy, but it means that God is going to work in your behalf. You can lean on him because God's word are for his people at all seasons and all, all times. But it always goes back. You've got to get in the Word of God. If you want deliverance, this Word's got to become real. Real in every area. Whatever it may be. You say, this is the Word of God. I stand on it. I live upon it. And what happens if we don't, we get indifferent and we, we don't really abide. We don't really walk. We just kind of go through the motions of religion. And then we hear, as I've heard, well, prayer don't really work for me. You know, I just, I just don't, I'm just not into reading the Bible. Man, you let the Bible read you, and it changes everything in our life. Harry Ironside was a preacher way back, wrote a whole set of commentaries years ago, and he told the story that there was a, there was a mother, and her young son was diagnosed with scarlet fever, and he was on the verge of death, and they called the doctor, and the doctor came, and he took the mother aside and said, There's nothing I can do. There's no hope. Your son is going to die. And the mother was broken. And she goes back into the room. And she puts her hand on her little boy's hand. And the little boy starts to whisper something. And she leans down. That little boy said, Mama, God just called me to preach. She sent the doctor home at his protest because she said, what God just did, he's not going to end in a moment. You stand and you live on the promises of God's word. That's the only way you get freedom in life. You have to adjust yourself to the word of God because it is real. Second thing is this. There's going to be times of deep intercessory prayer and you will be delivered there. It says in Luke chapter 22, 40, Pray ye, enter not into temptation. Lord, I'm praying, don't let me enter into temptation. It doesn't say temptation's not going to come. 
But Lord, let me not enter into temptation. Let me not yield to temptation. Let me not be seduced by the temptation. See, see, that's what the struggle comes with. It says, you've got to learn to pray. You've got to say, Lord, I've got to be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer. I've got to know what it is to get on my knees and get on my face and go before the Father. And to do that, I've got to sense the humanity that is around me. I've got to sense the needs that are around me. And I've got to have the love of God that is in Christ Jesus inside of me to be expressed as I go to the Father in prayer. See, see, when you pray... Here's the only reason you and I pray. Because we're, we're aware that we're impotent. I can't fix it. But he can. And he will his way. But I got to go to him because I can't. But as long as we think we can fix things, we, we miss it there. See, see, there's power in understanding God answers and responds to prayer as we are abiding in the Word of God. And, and, and He gives courage to persevere in spite of what's taking place, in spite of how many times the door has been shut. He keeps us able to persevere. And, and we understand God's got this. Again, look what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything's give thanks for this is the will of Christ and Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Pray without ceasing. Guys, your prayer life should be like your breathing. Now, you're not even aware you're breathing most of the time. I'm not. I just know I'm breathing or I wouldn't be standing here. But as I'm breathing in the Word of God, I can breathe out prayers into my Father. And as I get up in the morning, one of the first conscious awarenesses I have is I'm a child of Jesus Christ, of God Himself. And I begin my day just thanking Him. And I begin my day acknowledging He prompts that to my mind. Why? Because He lives inside me. If He doesn't prompt that to your mind, I doubt He lives inside of you. Because He's promised. He prompts us in that fashion. And He says, this is how you do this. Now, now, there's eight things you see that a believer should do. Rejoice always. Now, boy, that's hard, isn't it? You ever not feel like rejoicing? Yeah. Most of the time, we don't feel like rejoicing. It's not an act of feeling. It's an act of faith. I'm not rejoicing because I'm getting a refund from the income tax. No, I'm rejoicing. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm rejoicing that God gave Jesus Christ to forgive my sin. I'm rejoicing. God has given me purpose. God has given me direction. I'm rejoicing that I'm a child of the King. Then you pray without ceasing. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give him liberally. I've been praying for wisdom since I was 18 years old because I know I need it. And it's on my prayer list every day. God, I need your mind. I need your understanding. I need your knowledge. I need wisdom because God promised he will give it to you if you will ask. And he says in Isaiah 40 verse 31, We shall mount up with wings as eagles and we will run and not be weary. Why? He said, if you wait, Lord, teach me how to wait in faith. Teach me how to wait trusting you. Luke eleven thirteen. God says, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask. You say, well, I thought I got him when I got saved. You did. But I need a fresh release of him every day inside my life. See, pray for wisdom. Pray for strength to wait. Pray for, for the Holy Spirit to be real. And everything give thanks. That's a hard one too, isn't it? Did you thank him for your teeth this morning? I shared my master life and, and I think it was A.W. Tozer said, he said, what if you only got tomorrow what you thank God for today? I wouldn't have had teeth on Thursday because I forgot. What if you only got tomorrow what you thank God for today? Think about it. 
We take so much for granted. And all things give thanks. Quench not the Spirit. When He rubs you the wrong way, turn around and He'll rub you the right way. Do you know what turn around means? Repent. That's a unique word, isn't it? See, quench not the Spirit. When God, when the Word is preached and something quickens you, you go, I didn't like that. It goes on down and says, despise not prophecy or preaching. That's the next thing. See, see, God is speaking to you. Well, it goes against what I think. Then stop thinking out of your flesh and start thinking out of the Bible. See, 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 see you got to understand that. Prove all things. That's what it says. How do you prove all things? You test it with Scripture. If you can't substantiate it with Scripture, get rid of the belief. Get rid of the practice. It's Scripture. Script tests everything with the Word of God. It's not based on popular opinion. You have no opinion when it comes to the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Here we, we, we come to church and, and you hear preaching and you know, blah, blah, blah. And we go to sometimes, we, we, we're going to teach now. And we'll say, well, Char, what do you think? It really doesn't matter what she thinks. It matters what the Word of God says, right? And sometimes we want to get together and let everybody tell me what we think. It doesn't matter. It matters what the Word of God says. And you bring your mind in accordance with the Word of God. The will of God. Look what it says. Abstain from every form of evil and hold fast what is good. Abstain. Boy, isn't that an unusual word? I don't know where we heard that before. That's what the Bible said. You've got to see this and you've got to yield to this. And look what it says in verse 5 of Acts. It says, and continually prayer was made on behalf for Paul, Peter, by the church. See, see, some things are only going to be brought forth by you praying. Some things are going to be brought forth by you praying and fasting. When was the last time you all fasted? Well, I fasted between, I went to bed what time last night? 8.30. I fasted between 8.30 and 5.30 this morning. That's pretty much sometimes all people fast. Guys, I believe in fasting. The Bible teaches it. We live in a time where we say, well, no, we don't live to fast. Now, why not? Fast. Intentionally put aside not eating. And in that time you're supposed to be eating food, you're taking in the Word of God. You're praying. And when you have hunger pains, you know what you do? You pray more. You pray more. Some, guys, you got to understand. This is a spiritual discipline that God has given for us to understand. All right. You've got to understand. You've got to take the Word of God, the promises of God. You've got to adjust to them. You've got to understand praying without ceasing intercession. And number three, you've got to break soul ties with people who hold you in bondage. Soul ties with people who hold you in bondage. Peter was in prison and his hands was chained between two guards. Why was his hands changed? Because your hands represent your work. 
what you do. Psalm 1834, he teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. We clap our hands not to applaud a person, but we clap our hands to praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We raise our hands up and we pray and we exalt and we magnify and we say, God, I'm empty like my hands are. Feel me, moving me. Oh, God, I come to exalt, to praise you. And the enemy tries to stop our praise. He tries to bind us. He tries to bind our ministries. He tries to hem us in. What areas of your life are bound right now? Chains. That's something that controls somebody else. See, and you can be tied up in chains of of all the wrong things and the wrong people. Have you lived long enough yet to realize there are people who will build you up in faith? And there are people who will drain your faith. There's builders and there's drainers. And you have got to have sense to discern what God is saying, who they are. Soul ties represents relationships. And relationships that we are so involved with, man, we want to help, we want to fix. And I can't fix it. But it's draining me. It's draining my mind. It's draining my attention. It's draining my resources. And Christ has got to be first. He's got to be preeminent above all things, above every relationship. He has to be first. Do you think it was hard when Abraham had to make a choice between Ishmael and Isaac? I do. But he had to make a choice. Why? Because God said so. Ishmael was birthed in the flesh. Isaac was birthed in the spirit. There's a whole lot of things Mark may have birthed in his flesh that I like. But God says, I only want you to have what's birthed in the spirit. Now, you with me? Because there's a completely different situation here. And when we birth things in the flesh, you know what they do? They take our time. They take our attention. They take our resources. They take our energy. But what we birth in the Spirit, man, God is the resource. God is the one that moves to sustain, to to work that up. Now, look at it. Verse 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying rise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands would that not have been something I mean you're chained between two things that are controlling you you're chained with the issues of life that have got you beat down. But you're standing on the promise. See, even though you've you got to understand the promise of the Word of God. And when the angel came, he smote him. Anybody smote you lately? Now, I don't know if that was a shove smote or a slap smote or a kick smote. But he smote him. And then he picked him up. Did that deliver him? No. The chains fell off. Did that deliver him? No. He said, you got to move from where you are. 
And he said, the angel showed up and he said, you have got to move. What did he have to move at? The Word of God. Guys, that's the promises. You've got to learn to, I will adjust to the Word of God. Because if I need deliverance, if I need God to move, I've got to move at God's Word. And look what it says in verse 8. And the angel said to me, gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. He said, get your shoes on, tie them up tight, pull that garment up, tuck it in your belt so you don't trip when you're going out. And you follow me. And he did what he was told to do. He walked where God was leading him to walk. He moved at the prompting of the Word of God. He moved at the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That's how we have to move. When He prompts us, get ready, get ready, get ready, because He's going to move us. So we prepare by having our feet shod with the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? We have ourselves prepared because we have on the belt of truth, right? We have ourselves prepared because we have the shield of faith and we have ourselves prepared. We have the word of God, the sword of the spirit. We are ready at the prompting of God and we move when God tells us to move. Put on your garment. What's your garment? Anybody know what Isaiah 61.3 says? Put off the spirit of heaviness and put on the garment of See, sometimes we've got to intentionally put off so we can put on the garment of praise. I put on a suit coat a few weeks ago. Y'all remember Urkel? Anybody remember Urkel? I come out and I had my britches girded so tight and they were up to right here trying to hold them up. I've lost a little weight. But since I've wore this coat, and Char said, you ain't wearing that Urkel. I said, yes, I am. I said, the coat will hide this part. Right? Nobody's going to see this part. And then I put the coat on. And it was just all over me too. And I said, I guess I'm not wearing this, am I, baby? So that one got sent off. I wear a 46 long. I don't know what you wear, but I don't think it's a 46 long. Probably a 40 regular. Man, just the ideal fit, right? My garment of praise doesn't fit Greg. And Greg's garment of praise doesn't fit me. But what I got fits. And what I start praising my Savior, sometimes it's my hands are up. Sometimes I'm weeping. Sometimes I'm stomping. Sometimes I'm shouting. But it fits. And I can't worry if it don't fit you. Because you got your own garment. You need to put it on and start praising Him. And it says, when you start praising me, that's an act of faith because it takes away the spirit of heaviness. And so here it was. It, it says in, in John eight thirty six. therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Gee, Peter was released from this prison cell, from all the constraints, and, and he walked out unloosed. Let me ask, what's constraining you right now? What's constraining you? Isaiah 91, verse 14. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. 
Is your love set up on God? I will set him on high because he has known my name. Do you know the names of God? He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God will deliver. God says I can set you free. And it's disciplines that keeps you free. And here's the fourth thing. You must be delivered from the expectations of other people. Are you living to please somebody else? Not Jesus. Because you can't. I cannot please everybody at Grapevine Baptist Church. That's not my call. You understand? I read a book a while back, one sentence for the whole book. Leadership causes pain. Because I'm not going to make everybody happy. You all don't make everybody happy. But you have to understand, you live to please Him. And see, as long as I'm focused on Him, it's all going to be all right. But when I start focusing on Mike, or I start focusing over here, or over here, or over here, I'm not focusing on Him. I have to say, Lord, I am looking and I am living to you. Francis Frangipan. Isn't that a good name? Man, he's a good writer. He, he's a pastor out in, I think, uh, the Midwest. Here's what he said. He said, to inoculate me from the praise of men, he baptized me in the criticism of man until I died to the control of man. Man, that was worth writing down if you want it later. To inoculate me from the praise of man, he baptized me in the criticism of man to inoculate until I died to the control of man. You can't. Please everyone. You've got to please Christ. Man, I serve a powerful God. So do you, if you know Him. And He wants to guide, direct, to move in your life. And, and Peter learned this. He learned this right here in his prison. He said, nothing is too hard for God. And maybe right now you're feeling hemmed in on every side. But hear me, deliverance is there. It's drawing nigh. Maybe God has got the angels ready at this moment to dispatch them when you yield to the Word of God. And so, so you can rest in the calm assurance that your Redeemer lives and, and He's already purchased your salvation. And you rest in the knowledge that by His stripes you are healed. And you rest in the knowledge that Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never go away from you. And Peter was there. He knew that. But can you tell? Peter, man, he was excited. Why? God did what His Word said. And all I had to do was rest in Him. Freedom comes with knowledge, adjustment, and obedience to the will and the Word of God. Freedom comes through deep intercessory prayer. Freedom comes through when you break soul ties. And freedom comes when you stop living to please people and you live to please God. Because you see, the same God that delivered Daniel in the lion's den delivered Peter. The same God that delivered the three Hebrew boys there when they were going into the fiery furnace delivered Peter. The same God that delivered Israel from Egypt delivered Peter. The same God that delivered Paul and Silas from the jail delivered Peter. And the same God will deliver you. If you will say, yes, Lord, I yield, Lord. You are my strong tower. You're my deliverer. You're my hope. Speak, Lord Jesus. Father, we bow this morning. And I pray, God, that you enable us to understand 
the release of your spirit. Enable us, God, to understand your word, your truth. And God, as you have spoken to our hearts, if there's someone here lost that do not know you as their personal Savior, they've never been born again, God, I pray this day is that day of salvation. This day, God, they responded and you saved them, changed them radically. God, and, and maybe, Lord, there's someone here who is saved, but God, they're struggling. God, that Lord, they're, they're living compromise. God, show them. You have shown them. God, let them yield and adjust their life to you in obedience. Because God, the devil's out to destroy us. He's got a target on our back. But God, you've marked me also. And I'm your child. And I'll not face anything that, Lord, you've not equipped me, prepared me, as I've obeyed you. God, work even now.